Hello, you gorgeous teacher. How are you? If you're one of my lovely regular listeners, welcome back. If you're a new listener, you're most welcome. Just before we get started, bit of housekeeping. So, what's going on? If you haven't subscribed to this podcast, I literally cannot think of a single reason why. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a little bit of time to go and hit that subscribe button now. I'll wait. Okay, on with the show. Welcome to Everything EFL Podcast. My name's Erin O'Byrne and I absolutely love sharing my knowledge with you, my darling teacher, and helping you build not only community, but your students' confidence. I truly believe that a positive frame of mind is essential for your students to learn. There's also a bunch of other teachy stuff thrown in for good measure too. Are you ready? Let's go. Please welcome Anya Karvovska. How are you, Anya? Oh, I'm good. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's an absolute pleasure. Um, this is take two um, of our episode because the sound quality wasn't great last time. So I'm actually really happy to speak to you again because you gave me so much good information. I'm, I'm just so happy just to hear it all over again, to be honest. Um, now, let's start by just letting everybody know who you are. So um, my name is Anya Karvovska. I'm pleased I'm talking to you from Canadian-American border. I'm a teacher, teacher trainer and translator. I work in the area of literacy and I run my language school, which is called Polka Languages, where I work for, with neurodivergent students. Fabulous. Now, um, we were chatting a while ago and we decided um, to focus on ADHD and dyslexia. Um, And you told me that they often go hand in hand, which I was really surprised about. But can you just give me a very quick overview of ADHD? So in a nutshell, it's either you are very hyperactive. In general, you you have problems with focus and organization with ADD. Mostly the focus is what that you suffer from. So you just can't focus on something unless unless you find it very interesting or intriguing. And then the hyper focus kicks in. It's a kind of like an OCD anxiety because you focus on one subject and you just dig deep. Other than that, you don't do it. It's either too boring. You can't focus like on a book or material. So it's kind of like all or nothing in a way yes okay that's a great way of looking at it and just a quick overview of dyslexia for people who probably just think it's something to do with finding it difficult to read letters yes so this dyslexia is um different brain organization so in a nutshell yes you struggle with reading it's uh, dyslexia is not a vision problem because it's how the brain processes let's say the images it's a very very general and very you know <laughs> it's not very specific so please whenever if someone is working in that field, do not get upset with me I'm just trying to be very very general dyslexia often comes hand in hand with ADHD but very often dyslexic students suffer from dysgraphia as well and dysgraphia is the pencil pencil grasp and also issues with writing so for example dysgraphic students written performance is very hard to be read So it's like, I don't know, Rosetta Stone or whatever. Just you can't read it. What are the common misconceptions about ADHD or students with ADHD? 
ADHD. So that girls very often, especially in the school setting, they get undiagnosed, which is often co um, uh, connected to the way the society brings up women. So they are supposed not to be not to make trouble. So this is why like girls get undiagnosed. Other uh, issue is that ADHD, ADHD people are jumping, like you know, jumping jack all over the place. Not very, not very often. Very often, the, the the core of the problem is yes, they can be fidgety, etc. But the core problem is lack of focus. They just can't finish anything because they find it boring. It's so tedious. And how about misconceptions about dyslexia? The main misconception is that it's a vision problem. It's not a vision problem. Other is that the dyslexic people with dyslexia, they flip letters. It's like they mirror it. And it's not that. Like mirroring is um, developmentally okay until the age of nine. It's the brain reorganization. However, it's, it's not what dyslexia is. But it's not a vision problem. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, that kind of... I think a lot of people do just think it's the way people see letters, isn't it? So what are some common signs for teachers to look out for uh, regarding ADHD? Students are very often dreamy. I see dreamy, like especially if you're a teacher and you teach a class and, you know, you see them differently than, than they see themselves because they're in front. So you see those students who just tend to, oh, there is a bird chirping, right? And their attention swiftly goes away and they just get lost in the outside world or they get very fidgety, or they can't finish tasks, for example. I'd say especially completion is a huge issue, and it's really, really visible. I'd say even in kindergarten, it's very easy to see that there are some children who follow through. And of course, I'm not saying like two hours, but even in 20 minutes interval, they follow through. And for others, it's so difficult. They just try to look, they're looking for something else. Like, oh, there is the toy, or something happened, or let's look at the door, et cetera. So like the attention issues. And did you say last time that they sometimes cope with this by kind of being the clown, the class clown? Yes. Very often, especially when the kids go to school, there is like, um, when we look like at the group, we all very often we have the leader, like the kid, the class clown, who is always very funny, he's making jokes. So yes, that too. If it's combined with um, inattention or... Uh, inability to complete tasks, inability to focus. Very often we call those kids that they are so, but so lazy. Like if only he work harder, like we, we tend to say. And yeah, that's like, um, I'd say as uh, a stereotype of an ADHD student in a classroom. Mm. And how about dyslexia? What are some common signs for teachers to look for there? Very often. And I'd say even in kindergarten, if children have problems with rhyming, when you read the pitter patter, you know, all those nursery rhymes we do, like with the kids, um, Mother Goose, I think, yeah, I, I'm sorry, I forgot my kids are older, but even if they have problems with uh, repeating the, the, the rhythm of the story, clapping, because clapping is sequencing, let's clap a sound or let's, cl let's clap up syllables, repeat after me. That's, like, that's very, very simple. Children who have speech uh, issues, if they cannot pronounce center sounds, for example, children struggle. They do not pronounce P or they pronounce P as B. P as D. P as G. These are like the, for example, uh, a kid can say okay instead of okay. Mm. Or instead of bubble, they say bubble. So these are those little signs. And then, especially, in, um, I know that UK, 
in UK, they use lots of jolly phonics, like the program. So you have those initial sounds for kids. When they like you have that the syllable B and you do everything with B and they have problems either repeating the story after the teacher or they can mispronounce. They cannot grasp, let's say, how do you write the letter B? So if you teach letter formation and the child is struggling, so these are like, I'm not saying the child has dyslexia, but then I'd probably pay more attention to the child and check if there are any other issues if parents are willing to say, because dyslexia is hereditary. So very often, mm. maybe not a parent, but an uncle had was dyslexic. And we don't remember that because we were kids, you know, etc. So these are those tiny little like red flags that we can look out to. Excellent. Okay, thank you. And what about some like once you know you have a diagnosed a child with like ADHD in your class, what sort of practical strategies can you advise so teachers can try and deal with it in class? Yeah. First of all, do not have him sit at the back of a class. I know everyone loves it. I love it too. <laughs> but that's not a good idea. Having sit, not even in the, in the first uh, that second, so that you, it's not like you stigmatize and you sit close to the teacher because of this or that. Then have a signal that you wake out of your student to keep him in, him or her sorry in check. For example, when you're passing through the class, just put gently your hand on the desk and go away. Just have that one signal so that he knows. Okay, oh, I'm losing attention. Okay. Keep him in check. Give him um, something to do, even if it's bring me some chalk. Oh, how about you help me with this? And chunk it down. Very often, ADHD students, but not only, they have problems with that, the working memory, so with sequencing stuff. So when we chunk down an as- aspect, I know, grammar, vocal, breathing comprehension, whatever we're working on, just to smaller, tangible tips, and try to use um, graphic organizers mm. in, in younger classes. For example, going from one part of the of the lesson to the other. Like, say, okay, we have now warm up. So, oh, let's have some fun. And now we, oh, okay. So, what does the I don't know faces? Oh, so now we're going to practice. So now it's practice time. So, like predictability. That one chunk is predictable after the other with, with writing tasks. Graphic organizers are very helpful. Like, so that get that um, a structure, where to start, what should be in the middle and how to finish. And does it help if you sort of go through the aims of the class at the beginning and say, this is what we're going to do today? Absolutely, yes, because it gives them predictability. And then as the lesson goes by, I would just say, okay, I would ask any student, do you remember? What were the aims of our classroom today? And they may remember. If they don't, that's okay. So now we remind them. Oh, and by the way, I told you like half an hour ago that we're doing this and that. This is all very simple stuff, which is good because I think, you know, teachers, I, I imagine, would be quite overwhelmed if they have at least one student with ADHD or dyslexia in class. Yes. Um, so just these little things are really, really helpful. Um, how about um, dyslexic students? What practical strategies can you offer? First of all, make sure that the dyslexic student is receiving um, structured literacy intervention. So um, that depends how dyslexic the student is, whether the child is being pulled out, pulled out of the class for an intervention with one-on-one or small group. 
but I'd make sure that they do receive evidence-based help. Other than that, chunk down the material to very small pieces, make sure that by the end of the class, the homework is written down. It can even be like coded into small parts because sequencing and short-term memory is something that they suffer from. Make sure that, uh, oh, as a teacher, there's a fantastic strategy. Um, actually, um, I was planning to write a post about it. It's called Structured Word Inquiry. So we all know that English is a morphophonemic language. It has opaque phonology. If you teach the student that everything makes sense, for example, if you have um, a word, you think of a word base, and then you have prefix or suffix, or you teach them that connecting vowel in English is I, and I only appears in the middle of words that come from Greek and Latin. Once I saw a very nice lesson that was led by a teacher, it was a great tool, so the kids were seven years old. They were doing instructed with inquiry, very simple words with a huge poster when they were playing. Oh, this is a base. Now let's play some puzzle. Where is the prefix? Where is the suffix? What may it mean? So with dyslexic students, when we teach them, them language, we should show them that the language makes sense. That I say like language is like mathematics. It all, it makes sense and it all comes into the right place. Another strategy that, that I saw in Montessori classrooms, and it's evidence-based, it's fantastic. It's called multisensory grammar, where you, where you use figures and codes when you talk about tenses. So even the present simple can be jotted down to very simple elements like this is the verb, this is the object, but instead of calling them and flattering their memory with something they may not need or use in the long term. Like I, I was taught Polish grammar, but truth be told, I don't remember a lot. Like I had to go back to it as an adult. So just using, for example, that, oh, the circle is the subject or the triangle is the verb. It just gives them that organization and makes it so much simpler. I would argue that's good for every student. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Is there anything else that you would like to say to the listeners regarding these two? Do would, I mean, would you call them conditions? Is that the right word nowadays? I would just say it's just your brain is different, differently wired. I'd say like dyslexic people are super creative because they, they have to hack everything because like life can be dyslexia. It's not only that you struggle with reading, but dyslexic people struggle with sequencing. That's why very I say it, and the doctor Linda Siegel, she's from UBC, she says that IQ tests are not good for dyslexic students because it measures sequencing, and dyslexic students struggle with sequencing and actually, so they will just be at the lower scale, not because of IQ, but because this is the skill they have to work on. So from practical things from classroom, I would say, as a teacher or as a, or as a parent, by Hornet literacy primer and word wars. They are cheap as chips. They cost like $20 in Canada or something. Like that. I don't know, very cheap. They're good structured with, uh, literacy interventions for dyslexic students. As a teacher, please incorporate low stake tests in your classroom, for example, every Friday. Do not grade it. Do not um, discuss it you did it good you did it well just provide silent feedback and by silent feedback i mean just even write two sentences to each student or even better just talk about the mistakes but do not point to the paper just say in general you did fantastic however i noticed that this and that 
And what I would also suggest is to practice word recall because it affects working memory. So it's like it goes hand in hand. Practice metacognition. So try to figure out why you're struggling with a problem. If we teach students how to think about their own learning, that's like a win. That's like a huge win for the students. And also spaced practice. So do not teach students to cram or even teach them to take breaks in the middle. Like cut some slack on Tuesday, study on Wednesday, cut some slack on Thursday. Because then when you review the information, you practice retrieval, you practice word recall. And it's like as if your head is a huge filing cabinet. So you're just taking the files out. But if it's messy, then you can't find the documents. I know because I was just cleaning my filing cabinet yesterday. (laughs) So hence the metaphor. But if you just learn how to store the information and record it back, that will improve students' lives, whether they're dyslexic, ADHD or not, whether they learn English, history, geography, math, etc. It's just so helpful. So I would say this is something I would like to say the parents. And if you're a parent of dyslexic child in UK, you have Freemasonry, I think, organization. They do fantastic autumn Gillingham support for children. And if you are living in an English-speaking country and your child is struggling, look for Orton Gillingham, tutor, educator, or free resources. Nowadays, we have um, Teacher Pay Teachers and other websites when you can go to, or even Facebook group, sorry, and ask like for some materials. Some are very cheap. And if you cannot afford the tutor, get that Hornet Literacy Primer, Wordwall, buy some materials. And I can assure you that if you, spend half an hour with a child five times a day, they will progress and they will not struggle. And if your child is struggling with writing, then I would recommend a book that is that is called Writing Revolution. It's based on the Hoffman method and it's showing how to teach writing and writing across all subjects. So it's not only languages like you can use it in scientific writing essay writing report and so on and so forth fantastic i'm gonna put all of the links in the show note um to help our Wonderful. teachers where can people find you anna because i i love your social media posts i think they're really useful and really interesting and i'd love more people to follow you thank you so you can find me on linkedin when i'm anna karvovska polka languages or at instagram which is handle Polka Languages, P-O-L-C-A underscore languages. And that's where you can find me. And I will put those links on the show notes as well. Anya, thank you so much for your advice. Um, Even just this little bite-sized episode, it's just so full of useful information. So um, thank you so much again. Thank you so much and have a lovely day. Thank you for inviting me. Okay, guys, as per usual, have a lovely, peaceful week. Look after yourselves and share the love. Bye.